Section 24 of The Emperor of Portugalia by Selma Lagerlöf. Translated by Velma Swanston Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Lars Rolander. Section 24. The Flight. One morning, just a week from the day of Glory Goldie's homecoming, she and her mother stood at the Borg Pier, ready to depart for good and all. Old Katrina was wearing a bonnet for the first time in her life, and a fine cloth coat. She was going to Malmö with her daughter to become a fine city dame. Never more would she have to toil for her bread. She was to sit on a sofa the whole day, with her hands folded, and be free from worry and care for the remainder of her life. But despite all the promised ease and comfort, Katrina had never felt so wretchedly unhappy as then, when standing there on the pier. Glory Goldie, seeing that her mother looked troubled, asked her if she was afraid of the water, and tried to assure her that there was no danger, although it was so windy that one could hardly keep one's footing on the pier. Glory Goldie was accustomed to seafaring, and knew what she was talking about. "'There are no waves,' she said to her mother. "'I see, of course, that there are a few little white caps on the water, but I wouldn't be afraid to row across the lake in our old punt.' Glory Goldie who did not seem to mind the gale, remained on the pier. But Katrina, to keep from being blown into pieces, went into the freight shed, and crept into a dark corner behind a couple of packing-cases. There she intended to remain until the boat arrived, as she had no desire to meet any of the parish folk before leaving. At the same time she knew in her heart that what she was doing was not right, since she was ashamed to be seen by people. She had one consolation at least. She was not going away with Glory Goldie because of any desire for ease and comfort, but only because her hands were failing her. What else could she do when her fingers were becoming so useless that she could not spin any more? Then who should come into the shed but Sexton Blackie? Katrina prayed God he would not see her, and come up and ask her where she was going. For how would she ever be able to tell him she was leaving husband and home and everything? She had tried to bring about some arrangement whereby Jan and she could stay on at the croft. If the daughter had only been willing to send them a little money, say about ten rix dollars a month, they could have managed fairly well. But Glory Goldie would not hear of this. She had declared that not a penny would she give them unless Katrina went along with her. Katrina knew, of course, it was not from meanness that Glory Goldie had said no to this. The girl had been to the trouble of fitting up a home for her parents, and had looked forward to a time when she could prove to them how much she thought of them, and how hard she had worked for them. And now she wanted to have with her one parent, at least, to compensate her for all her bother. Jan had been uppermost in her thought when she was preparing the home, for she had been especially fond of her father in the old days. Now, however, she felt it would be impossible to have him with her. 
Herein lay the whole difficulty. Glory Goldie had taken a violent dislike to her father. She could not abide him now. Never had he been allowed to talk with her of Portugalia, or of her riches and power. Why, she could hardly bear the sight of him decked out in his royal trumpery. All the same, Jan was as pleased with her as ever he had been, and always wanted to be near her, though she only ran away from him. Katrina was sure that it was to escape seeing her crazy father that the girl had not remained at home longer than a week. Presently Glory Goldie, too, came into the freight shed. She was not afraid of Sexton Blackie, not she. She went right up to him and began to chat. She told him in the very first breath that she was returning to her own home and was taking her mother back with her. Then Sexton Blackie naturally wanted to know how the father felt about this, and Glory Goldie informed him as calmly as though she were speaking of a stranger that she had arranged for her father to board with Lisa, the daughter-in-law of old Bengtsa. Lisa had built her a fine new house after the old man's death, and she had a spare room that Jan could occupy. Sexton Blackie had a countenance that revealed no more of his thought than he wanted to reveal, and now, as he listened to Glory Goldie, his face was quite impassive. Just the same, Katrina knew what he, who was like a father to the whole parish, was thinking. Why should an old man who has a wife and daughter living be obliged to live with strangers? Lisa is a good woman, but she can never have the patience with Jan that his own folks had. That was what he thought, and he was right about it, too. Katrina suddenly looked down at her hands. After all, perhaps she was deceiving herself in laying the blame on them. The real reason for her desertion of Jan was this. The daughter had the stronger will, and she seemed unable to oppose her. All this time Glory Goldie stood talking to the sexton. Now she was telling him of their being compelled to steal away from home, so that Jan should not know of their leaving. This had been the most dreadful part of it to Katrina. Glory Goldie had sent Jan on an errand to the store away up in Bro Parish, and as soon as he was gone they had packed up their belongings and left. Katrina had felt like a criminal in sneaking away from the house in that way, but Glory Goldie had insisted it was the only thing to do. For had Jan known of where they were going, he would have cast himself in front of the wagon to be trampled and run over. And now, on his return, Lisa would be at the house to receive him, and of course she would try her best to console him. But still, it hurt to think of how hard he would take it when he learned that his daughter had left him. Sexton Blackie had listened quietly to Glory Goldie, without putting in a word. Katrina had begun to wonder whether he was pleased with what he had learnt, when he suddenly took the girl's hand in his and said with great gravity, "'Inasmuch as I am your old teacher, Glory Goldie,' I shall speak plainly to you. You want to run away from a duty, but that does not say that you will succeed. I have seen others try to do the same thing, 
but it has invariably resulted in their undoing when katrina heard this she rose and drew a breath of relief those were the very words she herself had been wanting to say to her daughter glory goldie answered in all meekness that she did not know what else she could have done she certainly could not take an insane man along to a strange city nor could she remain in Svartsjö, and Jan had himself to thank for that. When she went past a house, the youngsters came running out, shouting Empress, Empress at her, and last Sunday at church the people, in their eager curiosity to see her, had crowded round her and all but knocked her down. "'I understand that such things are very trying,' said the sexton but between you and your father there has been an uncommonly close bond of sympathy and you mustn't think it can be so easily severed then the sexton and glory goldie went outside katrina followed immediately she had altered her mind now and wanted to talk to the sexton but stopped a moment to glance up toward the hill she had the feeling that jan would soon be there are you afraid father will come asked glory goldie leaving the sexton and going over to her mother afraid cried katrina i only hope to god he gets her before i'm gone then summoning all her courage she went on i feel that i have done something wicked for which i shall suffer as long as i live you think that only because you've had to live in gloom and misery so many years said glory goldie you'll feel differently once we're away from here anyhow it isn't likely that father will come when he doesn't even know we've left the house don't be too sure of that returned katrina jan has a way of knowing all that is necessary for him to know it has been like that with him since the day you left us and this power of sensing things has increased with the years when the poor man lost his reason our lord gave him a new light to be guided by then katrina gave glory goldie a brief account of the fate of lars gunnarsson and of other happenings of more recent date to prove to her that jan was clairvoyant as folks call it glory goldie listened with marked attention before katrina had tried to tell her of jan's kindness toward many poor old people but to that she had not cared to listen this on the contrary seemed to impress the girl so much that katrina began to hope the daughter's opinion of jan would change and that she too would turn back but katrina was not allowed to cling to this hope long in a moment glory goldie cried out in a jubilant voice here's the boat mother so after all it has turned out well for us and now we'll soon be off when katrina saw the boat at the pier her old eyes filled up she had intended to ask sexton blackie to say a good word for jan and herself to glory goldie but now there was no time she saw no way of escaping the journey the boat was evidently late for she seemed to be in a great hurry to get away again there was not even time to put out the gangplank. A couple of hapless passengers who had to come ashore here were almost thrown onto the pier by the sailors. 
Glory Goldie seized her mother by the arm and dragged her over to the boat where a man lifted her on board. The old woman wept and wanted to turn back, but no pity was shown her. The instant Katrina was on deck, Glory Goldie put her arm around her to steady her. "'Come, let's go over to the other side of the boat,' she said. But it was too late. Old Katrina had just caught sight of a man running down the hill toward the pier, and she knew who it was, too. "'It's Jan!' she cried. "'Oh, what will he do now?' Jan did not stop until he reached the very edge of the pier, but there he stood, a frail and pathetic figure. He saw Glory Goldie on the outgoing boat, and greater anguish and despair than were depicted on his face could hardly be imagined. But the sight of him was all Katrina needed to give her the strength to defy her daughter. "'You can go if you want to,' she said, "'but I shall get off at the next landing and go home again.' "'Do as you like, mother,' sighed Glory Goldie wearily, perceiving that here was something which she could not combat. And perhaps she, too, may have felt that their treatment of the father was outrageous. No time was granted them for amends. Jan did not want to lose his whole life's happiness a second time, so with a bound he leaped from the pier into the lake. Perhaps he intended to swim out to the boat, or maybe he just felt that he could not endure living any longer. Loud shrieks went up from the pier. Instantly a boat was sent out, and the little freight steamer lay by and put out her skiff. But Jan sank at once, and never rose to the surface. The imperial stick and the green leather cap lay floating on the waves, but the emperor himself had disappeared so quietly, so beyond all tracing, that if these souvenirs of him had not remained on top of the water, one would hardly have believed him gone. End of section 24 Read by Lars Rolander